Enjoy Friday night dinners at the American German Club. Doors open at 5 p.m. Dinner, dessert, and coffee services are served from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. only. There's a live band, full bar with liquor and wine, including German and domestic beers on tap. $10 for admission and dinner is just $12. Visit AmericanGermanClub.org for more info. It is uh, Thursday. That means that the week is more than half over. And I'm grateful for that because uh, what a week it's been. That was the week. That, what was the name of that show? There was an old show. That was the week that was, I think it was called. And uh, and this has truly been that kind of experience, in my opinion. Um, I, I don't even really know where to begin because... I, um, I've come to this conclusion, and I'm not the only person who's come to this conclusion. I'm sure there are many others out there who are thinking the same. And I've said it before, so it's not brand new, but I think it's important. When I was growing up, when you were growing up, there was like a nightly newscast, right? It started at either 5 or 5.30 or 6 o'clock depending on whether it was just going to be a local newscast or it was going to be the world, you know, the entire newscast. That generally came at 6 o'clock when I was growing up. And you had these anchors like Walter Cronkite and Huntley and Brinkley and uh, Chancellor. And I, I mean, these were people of incredible stature. You know, I've come to find out many of them were creepy, but... At the time, we didn't know their creepiness because primarily they came on and they had either 30 minutes or 60 minutes during which time they had to impart the news of the day, all of the news of the day. Most people uh, wouldn't know the news of the day without them until the following morning when the morning newspaper would arrive. So it was a serious job for serious people. And they had to have serious writers who could condense the news into a newscast. And then Ted Turner decided we were going to have a 24-hour news station. And it seems like a brilliant concept, right? Because things change so quickly. So a 24-hour news station would be able to stay on top of stories as they were unfolding and hopefully have time during the course of the day to do a little in-depth analysis or maybe carry you know some specials about uh the the country's founders i i don't know the original concept of cnn seemed like a great idea uh and apparently it seemed like such a great idea to viewers that it immediately was successful and because it was immediately successful it would be duplicated and duplicated and duplicated. And so there would be 24-hour news from multiple sources who then became competitive to break stories first. And there went every journalistic standard that you ever possibly could have claimed in American news gathering, right? Because if you have to break the story first, you really don't have time to vet it thoroughly, and you sure don't have time to have multiple sources for your story. You're in a 24-hour news cycle, and you, therefore, are moving as quickly as you can to put out something better or something um, sooner than your competitor. 
And we have now turned into a society, at least in America, and it seems to be happening all over the world, where we are insatiable. We don't care about the veracity of stories. We just want it coming at us at the stream of sound or the stream of light or whatever the stream is that you happen to uh, attach yourself to. And as a direct result of that, there are absolutely no standards anymore for journalism. It is caca. And that is the nicest thing I could say about it. Yesterday was a perfect example of what has uh, become of news. When you have multiple 24-hour-a-day news channels covering the exact same story, and in many instances, live coverage inside of a congressional chamber, there is nothing but opinion. You know, believe me, if you just want to watch the hearings, you'll put on C-SPAN. But if you are inclined to uh, hate the president, you're going to put on MSLSD or CNN. If you are a supporter of the president, you're going to watch that same coverage only on Fox. And there you will be treated to the analysis by their uh, so-called experts. I, I, I'm up to my ears in these so-called experts. I had a great conversation yesterday, and I'm going to you know, give you a little behind-the-scenes uh, Joyce Kaufman show insight. You know, one of the things when I was um, informed that I would be on the air at 10 o'clock um, instead of my you know, usual shift, one of the things that my program director kindly offered to me was a little more assistance because it cut short my morning hours where I used to do a significant amount of planning as well as a booking of guests, and I was no longer able to do that. So my program director offered me assistance and said he would he had somebody in mind uh, who he, he you know ran the name by me and I said absolutely positively and I sat down with uh, Lexi yesterday and not really knowing how to begin this process because you have to understand prior to this prior to the last year or so Karen Curtis who's our news director was fundamentally responsible for keeping me in check let's put it that way and she uh, is as savvy about the news as anybody that's what she does and so she knew what stories would be breaking she knew what stories were trending as she refers to it I don't even know what that means but I think it means people are looking at, looking for them online she knew what stories were particularly relevant to me. She understood my mind and she'd worked, we've worked together for decades. So she knows how I think. And uh, she was able to select, uh, many guests without even having to call me or ask or anything. She just knew. And it was, it was made my life really, uh, easy when it came to guests. Uh, of course, many of you will have noticed that I'm not that good with guests. I'm okay, you know, I like uh, an occasional guest, especially if there's something I'm interested in. But I, it's really hard for me to be nice when I don't want to be nice. And it's really hard for me to act interested when I'm bored. So when Karen got promoted and became the news director and, and all that jazz, um, 
I said, well, let me just, you know, let me just do my show and I'll just not worry about guests. So, you know, I, I'm happy just talking for three hours. I am, you know, um, I don't really ever, you know, struggle to talk for three hours. There are days I could talk for eight, you know. Uh, and then on the days where I do have a little struggle, you know, then I just look over at Hobo and he starts saying silly things and it gives me something to run with. Or sometimes he says really bright things and then I really enjoy it. But for the most part, you know, I can count on him to pick up, you know, help me through those uh, moments. But um, I thought it would be interesting because this is not a full-time position, you know. Um, if the person helped me book some guests, because it's it's tedious because I can't be watching for the answers all the time. And, you know, we have too much to do, Hobo and I, and it was just getting in our way. So I, I sat with her. I gave her a folder, which, thank goodness, I had kept a folder full of every day. I print out what guests we are having and what numbers they can be reached at, even their backup numbers if they're calling in. And I said, here, these are the people. Go through these pages. And if you see somebody come up frequently, that's a guest that I like. I mean, Michelle Malkin, Ann Coulter, uh, Pam Geller, um, Dr. Stephen Camerata, Jessica Vaughn, um, Mark Kerkorian. There are some people whose names, Jamie McIntyre, you'll see their names um, at least twice a month or even just once a month, but you'll see them come up frequently. Those are people you should form a master list of because there will be days when I will say, get me Jamie McIntyre, get me uh, Brigitte Gabrielle, get me Michelle Malkin because it's relevant. You know, I kind of want Michelle Malkin now because, you know, she's been literally PayPal has decided, oh no, I think it was Twitter has declared that a cartoon that she posted, a Mohammed cartoon, is illegal and considered heresy in Pakistan, and she could be punished by death. And Twitter, American Twitter, sent her this email. And I'm thinking, so now Twitter is operating under the Sharia? I, I'm, I'm really not sure how that works, but I want to talk to Michelle about it. Um, and so... The bottom line is I realized last night when I was mulling this over because, you know, whenever somebody starts out in a new position, um, even a part-time position, they go gung-ho crazy. You know, they just really want to do the best that they can, and I appreciate that. Um, and so by, I don't know, 7 o'clock last night, I had heard from Lexi multiple times, and I had uh, emailed her multiple times, and I was expecting you know, and, and I was beginning to see that she was very enthusiastic and, you know, that's great. Um, but I was also beginning to see that I'm watching news that's just absolutely mirror images of the news on the next station, of the next station, the next station. And then I thought, let me do like a little experiment because I don't listen to a lot of talk radio. I think it's bad form, first and foremost, because we're overcritical. And I also believe that um, you'll end up uh, emulating or copying people if you listen to them too much. So, you know, I'll, I'll catch an hour on the way in of somebody. Um, I'll pay, play back a, the night before's podcast or I'll catch an hour of somebody in the afternoon um, just to measure. Like, am I talking about the same stuff that they're talking about? But I don't really want to hear how they're talking about it too long because it colors your thinking. 
especially if they're good, right? The better the host, the more inclined I am going to be convinced by them. So I, I don't listen to too much. But I said, let me check around the dial today and see what exactly people are talking about. And I listened to about five different podcasts last night and two or three shows, live shows. I got to hear PAGS. I got to hear um, uh, something called uh, Red Eye Radio late last night. Um, uh, and then we have some other Chad, somebody at nine o'clock. I got to hear that. Chad Benson, is it? Some, I, I don't remember, but I got to listen to a little of that. So those were actually, uh, a, they were happening on this radio station, which is, you know, great for me. Um, and I, and then I went, what is it? Uh, Chad Benson? I thought so. And then I, uh, listened to some podcasts of other people around the country, um, that I, I admire people I think are great radio hosts, my friend Heidi in uh, Las Vegas and, you know, a handful of others. Uh, There's a couple of people in the South and a couple of people in the Northeast. And then there's like two people out West. And so I just checked out everybody's subject matter briefly last night. And lo and behold, everybody is talking about the same thing. And nobody really has anything uh, novel to say about it because if you're in a 24-hour news cycle, it's all been said. It has literally all been said. So much like cable news, radio, talk radio and radio news can bore you to death unless they change it up. So it's not that I'm not going to be talking about the two big news stories, which, of course, are the fact that uh, President Donald Trump walked away from Kim Jong-un after calling him his best friend and all that jazz, um, which is monumental because all I heard on my way home yesterday was how he was going to cave and he was going to Kim was going to get. Uh, you know, a great deal and we were going to get nothing and uh, he didn't have the guts to walk away from a deal that was bad and he just wanted a deal no matter what the cost because he was trying to get everybody's attention off the Michael Cohen testimony and uh, I was sick. I was sickened by all this as I said to you before. It was on every station, every channel, every news. It was just enough already. And uh, lo and behold, um, I kept getting up during the night because this was all happening in the middle of the night here. It's 12 uh, hours uh, difference. And so I'm getting up every like hour and a half, really horrifying. It was a terrible night for sleep and just checking to see, you know, what what was going on, what was happening, um, if the interviews were taking place. And uh, I, I finally didn't wake up every hour and a half, didn't wake up again until four four fifteen this morning, at which point I found out that uh, President Trump had walked away and said, sometimes you just have to walk away. Now, yesterday, all these people who were saying he wouldn't have the guts to walk away today are not apologizing for saying that. No, now they're putting him down for walking away. You cannot win if you're Donald Trump, not with the media. So uh, he just needs to stop worrying about. Well, I think he has. I think, in, in fact, he has stopped worrying about it. And he does what he thinks is best and what he thinks will work the best. And, um, you know, he, he it's not that he doesn't trust Kim Jong-un. He wanted to maintain that he does trust him. But he was unwilling to back away from the sanctions until all of the denuclearization had been worked out. And uh, Kim was looking for a total relief from sanctions with only partial um, negation of their nuclear program. So 
Uh, Kim Jong-un just lost a big one. I'll explain that to you later. Enjoy Friday night dinners at the American German Club. Doors open at 5 p.m. every Friday night of the year. Dinner, dessert, and coffee services are optional, sir, from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. only. There's a live band from 7 to 11 playing ballroom, standards, party music, and German traditional. Full bar with liquor and wine, including German and domestic beers on tap. $10 for admission and dinner is just $12. Visit AmericanGermanClub.org for more information. That it started that way. Did we get that? Amen. All right. Well, uh, off to a roaring start here in this uh, portion of the show. Um, I had a, a, a copy of that in my master list, which has suddenly disappeared. So I was trying to play it from the uh, YouTube channel. And unfortunately, um, it's not arable in that form but uh we will find it anyway i did want to talk about what i think actually happened when uh kim jong-un and president donald trump sat yesterday in the middle of our night in the middle of their day and the businessman from america and the ruthless leader from uh the southeast sat down and, you know, the groundwork had been laid by the president. We're good friends. We're going to do the right thing. Everything's going to be great. Uh, this uh, They're going to turn into the next Vietnam or the next Singapore. They're going to be thriving. There's going to be hotels and there's going to be restaurants, et cetera, et cetera, and so forth. And uh, Kim was lulled into a false sense of security Unfortunately, though, Kim was also uh, unrealistic in his demands. So President Trump got back on his plane and came home without a deal and without um, being able to please anyone in, in the media. You just he cannot win no matter what he does. So I'm just going to let that that be. Let it stand where it's where it's standing. Uh, he did not accept the crap, crappy deal, and he did not get the good deal. So we'll see what happens. In the meantime, I'm watching to what lengths the left will take or will go to to destroy anyone they don't agree with. And I'm not even talking about here and the Michael Cohen trial. I'm talking about what's going on in Israel right now, which is the most bizarre, disgusting episode that I have ever seen in American, po not American, in, in world politics. Um, I don't know, outside of uh, Congress, really. The prime minister is under investigation. Benjamin Netanyahu is under investigation, and when you hear the story, you're going to scratch your head, I'm sure, like I did. Apparently, it is a constitutional dilemma. Where have I heard that before? Oh, yeah, right here. Many of the questions that have come up during these investigations are due to an unprecedented prospect of a current prime minister under indictment and the lack of a recognized law on this matter. You see, here in America, a sitting president cannot be indicted. 
So it really makes them crazy here um, because they can't indict him. So they must impeach to get rid of Donald Trump. But in Israel, they can get rid of Netanyahu with no formal impeachment trial because that's not their system. So here is the collective wisdom of the people who understand Israel's uh, political system much better than I. The attorney general is um, examining a case and he has a reasonable period of time ahead of the elections. They, they're having elections in a couple of weeks. Uh, he is obligated to announce his decision because of the public's right to know. The same considerations that led the police to announce the launch of the investigation and its results should apply in the attorney general's decision. So here we go. Will this influence their election? You're darn right it will. And that is its whole purpose. Because the charges are bizarre. Apparently, Benjamin Netanyahu took cigars and champagne from friends. And apparently, he took too many I don't know what too many is. I don't know how many cigars is too many. I don't know how much champagne is too much. But, uh, you know, that's, that's the charge. He took too many, too much. And he promised something in return. Although they can't tell us what he promised in return or what was given in return. Because ostensibly what he was supposed to be uh, promising in return was actually passed in the uh, Knesset. And then he vetoed it. So he actually stood against what they're accusing him of being in the tank for, which really makes zero sense. The, um, the, the idea that there are two men who their own countries have such an anger towards is really, you know, it's unprecedented. Benjamin Netanyahu in Israel and Donald Trump here in America. You can't, you can't make this stuff up. This is a most bizarre um, time period that I think I've ever heard of. You know, the only way I can explain these investigations is the, that they're calling it corruption over there and they're calling it collusion over here. The case over there is uh, the Bezek case. It was carried out by the police and the Israeli Security Authority, and now it's been passed to the state prosecutor's office, which will give their recommendation to the attorney general's office, which they did, and, uh, and they have decided to indict and prosecute the prime minister. Even though he's not regarded as a suspect in another case that was also being brought to light, which was an actual bribery case in, in military procurement, but I'm not going to get into that, the submarine case, because that's not a part of the charge. But I'm watching what's going on over there and the lack of reporting on it over here, and it's really amazing to me. We would rather hear stories about a non-existent love child um, from an, a, a known uh, congressional liar then talk about how 
how far superior our Republican form of government is to a straight-up democracy. Because that's the difference between what's happening to President Trump and what's happening to Prime Minister Netanyahu. And that's why when I tell you that I think the Founding Fathers were um, the smartest men ever, and excuse me that I didn't say women, but they were men. I can't change that. I, maybe some of them were transgendered and had been women at one time, but they were all presenting as men at the time of the Founding so I, I just, I, I applaud them for n- not allowing us to be put in positions like this where petty political differences, which is what you're seeing in both of these instances, would dictate an upheaval in government that could really damage Israel and, and certainly could really damage um, America were it to take place here. So as the president leaves Hanoi, the city of peace, uh, he did not leave with a deal. The South Korean uh, pastry chain that was all excited and put up all those posters calling for peace and, you know, hoping for peace, had to take down their posters. And uh, all that was overly optimistic. The summit was cut short on the last day of February, February 28th. The president canceled a working lunch with uh, Kim Jong-un and a joint signing ceremony that had been planned for later in the day. Instead, the two leaders left Hanoi without agreeing on a deal. In a press conference shortly afterwards, Mr. Trump said that he and Mr. Kim had had a very productive time but had ultimately failed to come to an agreement that would work for the United States. Sometimes... You have to walk, the president told reporters. Now, he will not be given any credit for leaving. It will be seen or portrayed as a disaster, as an escalating crisis, as a potential, uh, potentially damaging uh, our relationships with our key allies, all that stuff you're going to hear. But what you need to do is stop looking at the shiny thing, okay? Whether that's the Michael Cohen testimony whether that's the lack of a deal in uh in you know in hanoi for north korea and the united states and actually the demilitarization the denuclearization of the peninsula and what you got to start looking at is what's happening elsewhere where there are nuclear weapons like for instance india and pakistan you know now don't let me disturb your peace here However, there's some real big, terrible stuff going on right now. The, uh, they're, they're at war. There's a lot of Indo-Pakistani conflict going on right now. And I don't see any reportage of it. I have to go to all foreign news sources in spite of the fact that they're on the brink of a major confrontation after Pakistan claimed to have shot down two Indian fighter jets in a response to the bombing of an alleged uh, terror target inside of Pakistan. There was a suicide bombing by uh, Jaish-e-Mohammed, which is a, a you know an Indian-administered Kashmir, killed at least 42 Indian paramilitary forces back on Valentine's Day. 
But the risk of an all-out conflict, it got really bad this week. On Tuesday, as a matter of fact. And yet, I don't know about the rest of you, but I'm not seeing any coverage of this. India launched an air raid on what 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 it said was a training base for this uh, armed group, Jaish-e-Mohammed. And New Delhi and Islamabad were engaged in a battle of conflicting military claims yesterday. At least four Pakistani civilians were killed in cross-border fire between the two. And now let me say this is as plainly as I can, nuclear-armed countries. Everybody sitting around wondering what we're going to do were Kim Jong-un to actually have a deliverable weapon, nuclear weapon, when there are two nuclear-armed countries on the brink of a confrontation. I would say that's a pretty major issue. I would say that the... League of Nations, the United Nations, NATO, and all of the rest of them better be hunkering down real quick and figuring out how you're going to pacify uh, India and Pakistan right now because they are on heightened alert, both countries. And, uh, you know, the, the, the token that was given this morning was that Pakistan decided to free a captured pilot whose fighter jet was uh, shot down earlier this week but top generals from the army and the air force make it clear that they are on high alert and will respond to quote any provocation this is serious stuff my friends and you've got your eye on michael cohen and uh, and hush hush money to strippers you, you better you better start thinking Tell you what, it is extraordinarily frustrating to have to really deal with the fact that there's no standards for news gathering anymore. There's no heart for investigative journalism. There's no heart for unbiased journalism. I heard the funniest thing yesterday, and I, you know, I don't, I don't take shots at um, my colleagues or anything like that. Um, because I really, I, I think each one of us is uniquely talented and has something to offer. And, and, and I just know that we, we, um, collectively bring a lot to the format. Um, but I had to laugh yesterday. I was, uh, I was in my car after three o'clock. I it was shortly after three o'clock and I heard, um, my colleague, uh, Paul Barsky talking about how he was, you know, he was the, he was the fairest, the most unbiased person and he doesn't take a side and he doesn't have any uh, vested interest in anything. And I had to laugh because you see, nobody can say that anymore or claim that anymore because when you do as much talking as we do, your, your innate biases become very clear. You know, you may think you're open-minded, but, but the audience hears your uh, proclivity, your bias. Uh, nobody's going to listen to my show, and I try to be fair, but nobody's going to listen to my show and go, you know, Joyce is, uh, you know, completely even-handed, and, you know, she takes as many pot shots at the left as she does at the right, because it's just not true. You know, I have uh, a, a bias 
you know, I don't like the lunacy and the ludicrous nature of identity politics and of the, the, the loudly screaming and flailing left that lost an election and just can't get over it. And I'm just not a leftist. I'm just not. I can be extremely liberal in some of my social outlook, but uh, I'm a fiscal conservative, which then demands that I be pretty conservative across the board. You can't be a liberal and then a fiscal conservative because liberals think that, uh, you know, my money is theirs and conservatives know that my money is mine. So that, you know, I've learned that you can't be uh, completely unbiased. And so I had to chuckle because, you know, I I think he does poke fun at both sides, but he's obviously leans in one direction. And that's okay. The problem with the left is they never want to admit that they do. They want to tell you that because they are not conservatives, they are therefore open minded. And they're not any more than than I am. And I am not. I got to tell you, I'm not open minded anymore. I've seen too much damage uh, been done to my country by people who, you know, want to want to tell me what I should think and who I should care about and what my responsibilities are. And yet negate simple things like, uh, you know, the sanctity of life or the fact that we have a sovereign nation that has borders. You see, they can't deal with that stuff. And I can. So I'm never going to be uh, inclined to, uh, you know, believe much of what they say because they fundamentally disagree with me on some of the most important issues out there. Anyway, stay where you are. I got a lot to talk about. Kamala Harris uh, just got called on the carpet and is about to have to face down a group of prostitutes in New York. You heard me right. Uh, you've been talking all morning about uh, Donald Trump's non-existent love child. Wait till you hear Kamala Harris and her multiple positions on prostitution. <laughs>